Welcome to Living Freely Podcast, where our mission is to provide you with down-to-earth topics on mental wellness and realistic tips for living life more balanced and achieving optimal mental health. Living Freely is brought to you by Norfolk Public Libraries in Virginia and hosted by myself, Rachel Ann Dine, licensed professional counselor and passionate about providing you with strategies and up-to-date information on mental health. Join in weekly for a brand new episode of Living Freely, helping you live well and be well one podcast episode at a time. Welcome to the last episode of Living Freely Season 4. It is so nice to have you here. And again, I know I thanked you in the last episode, but I want to just say thank you so much again for being here, for listening in. It is my hope that you have been able to glean some information that's helpful for you in your life, that is maybe helpful for you in dealing with other people, maybe some difficult other people and just increasing your own sense of self-awareness and knowledge. Today, I am going to be sharing a couple of inspiring stories that individuals who have dealt with mental health issues or just real life experiences have shared on the NAMI website. That is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. This is a great organization that does so much in giving back and providing resources for individuals who have mental health issues. And most local cities have a NAMI branch or a NAMI organization. So I'm definitely going to link the website of NAMI in the show notes if you want to peruse or see what kind of resources they have to offer. But it was really wonderful because I found a couple of, not a couple, there's actually a lot of different stories where individuals have written in some of their own experiences with mental health, mental illness. And to me, this just helps to normalize the experience of struggling, the experience of being human, of having anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder, all of these different mental health issues and diagnoses that sometimes family units don't want to talk about or it's not discussed openly amongst friends. And so that's why here today on Living Freely, I want to share what real life people have written in about their own experiences. But I also want to leave you in a place today a feeling like you know how to find your own sense of hope. We are in the summer. The sun is out. That can be a mood booster in and of itself, but it doesn't matter all the time because life can be hard no matter what season it may be. And so I want to share a couple quick strategies on increasing your own sense of hope in your life. Research shows that holding on to a sense of hope about the future, about yourself, actually can assist someone in faring better in their life. And so hope is so vitally important. So before I get into sharing the stories, let me run through a couple quick 
things that you can keep in mind, a couple quick strategies that I want you to hold near and dear as we round out season four of Living Freely and as you go forth in your own life. So when it comes to increasing your sense of hope, don't lose sight of the fact that you are able to set realistic goals and eventually achieve them. Hope comes in really handy when you recognize that if you have a big overarching goal, it will take smaller steps to be able to achieve that overarching goal, but make sure that you're recognizing and giving yourself credit when you achieve those smaller goals or when you achieve that larger goal. It is so important to take time out, take space for you, and Give yourself some credit. Give yourself some credit for making healthy decisions and healthy choices. This can also be furthered by in those periods of time in your life where maybe you feel a strong sense of discouragement, never lose sight of reflecting on past successes. The reason I love this particular strategy, and I actually encourage so many people who I meet with to engage in this, even if you have to sit down and write out different successes you have had on a large scale or a very small scale, is it can really change your perspective. So often when we are feeling down, when we're feeling discouraged, it's really easy to develop a lens with which you view the world that is negative, self-deprecating, and just negative of self. So I guarantee in your life at some point, you have had some past success. This could be the time that you were really kind to someone or you got the job that you wanted. This is where maybe you earned some accolades in the workplace or you just managed to set a boundary and you have a moment in your life that you really hold on to where you chose yourself, you made the right decision, and it's really easy to lose sight of when we do things like that. So make sure that you always give yourself credit too for past successes in the areas of putting yourself first and considering your own needs, especially if you fall into the people-pleasing mentality. This is something I really celebrate many of my clients for. I, I try to even celebrate moments in my life where I think, you know what, I handled that difficult situation with grace. I did the best that I could. And so I, I likewise do the same thing when people tell me, oh, I was able to set a boundary. I was able to practice assertive communication. That is a win. And I think in our day and age, sometimes we equate success with financial gain or occupational status. But in my opinion, and obviously this is coming through the lens of being a therapist, but successes come in all shapes and forms. So don't lose sight of your emotional successes. When life starts to also get you down, don't lose sight of your spiritual or religious beliefs. And whether or not you have any or you just enjoy practicing yoga, Engaging in an activity where you can meditate or reflect 
is going to be very helpful. I know this season I talked a little bit about defining spiritual and religious abuse. And I I want to always encourage everyone to form their own healthy relationship with spirituality or religion. And if you are not into either one of those, then we know that science has shown that just the act of meditation, which in many ways kind of falls under that spirituality umbrella, but meditation can really increase a person's level of happiness and allow a person to engage in more hopeful feelings and thoughts about the future. There are so many great apps, whether it is Headspace app or Calm app, where you can even do a guided meditation. If I'm not mistaken, there are free meditations on YouTube where someone can walk you through stepping into a beautiful turquoise water of the beach, just in any, in so many different forms, walking through a forest. Sometimes guided meditations are extremely helpful, especially if you find that you are experiencing high anxiety or depression, then if left to your own devices, sometimes that meditation may feel overwhelming or you may find that some other negative thoughts are coming up. So there are so many guided meditations that can be really helpful. So a couple other ways to instill hope. It is so vital for a person's overall subjective well-being to not lose sight of creativity. So creativity can actually be linked to having hope and remaining hopeful. So researchers have studied and came to conclusions that hope accurately predicted the creativity of various employees. So why would creativity be associated with having hope? And it's been said that some people who are creative have a belief that there's more than one way to achieve your goals, to create your goals. I also think about creative outlets, which come in a variety of different forms as cultivating and developing hobbies. So as adults, one thing I have noticed is that, and you've probably heard me say this before on Living Freely, but if you don't make time to create joy and engage in a creative outlet, it becomes really, really easy to get caught in the monotonous cycle of working and then maybe you're just coming home and kind of zoning out on social media or watching TV. And when you're creative, you cook a new meal, you do a sewing project, you paint with watercolors, you garden, it unlocks and uses a different part of your brain that maybe you don't use in everyday life. And so this is the time where I encourage everyone to cultivate hobbies. And uh, one thing I've noticed is that sometimes folks will say, well, I don't really have hobbies. And a hobby is something that you don't have to do it every day. You can pick it up uh, maybe once a month. So let's say that you want to get into jewelry making or golfing. You don't have to go golfing every day. You don't have to make a new piece of jewelry every day or even every week. But it's something where I encourage you to create space at least once a month, at least every two weeks, you know, two weeks to a month so that you have that 
moment where you can give your brain a rest. You're not necessarily problem solving for work or problem solving on behalf of someone else in your life. You're using that time to problem solve the craft that's in front of you, the recipe that's in front of you. Maybe you turn on music, you light a candle. It's so important to make space in life for this. And don't ever be scared to limit the social media time because one thing that is very apparent is that when you get on social media, it can be easy to fall down the rabbit hole of watching videos or scrolling. And before you know it, it's been 30 minutes where maybe if it was timed out to be five minutes, then you can devote that other 25 minutes to a hobby or reading for pleasure, reading a fiction book, something of that nature. So a couple other things to keep in mind are in order to maintain hope, especially in times of despair, trouble, difficulty, Having social support is vital. In fact, if you feel isolated, if you feel as if you don't have anyone to turn to or you experience depression or anxiety, you feel isolated because you think that you're the only one, as hard as it may sound, this is actually one of the most important times to reach out to someone who you trust or at the very least work on building up a social network, whether you take a class locally, whether you join a book club with your local library, whatever the case could be, a quick perusal on Facebook or a community website or your library website will often yield results or there's even online meetup groups where groups of people who have a specific interest meet in a public place and they gather and talk about whatever they, you know, are interested in. It's just so important to maintain that sense of connection with other people. So science has proven that keeping a community of support around can help you develop and maintain a sense of hope in any kind of circumstance. I know it always makes me feel good when, even if it's a friend who I don't speak to on a weekly basis, but when we catch up and have a great heart-to-heart conversation, it, it allows you to not feel as alone in your life, especially if that person is someone who you can really be vulnerable with. So as we move on in instilling some hope, before I get into sharing some of these really inspiring stories, I just want to encourage you to do what you can. Be realistic and be self-compassionate with yourself. I have said it before and I'll say it again. I have noticed that people can be so incredibly hard on themselves. There can be so many negative labels that someone labels themselves with. And if you catch yourself being really having the negative self-talk and talking down to yourself, please recognize this and let's replace it with something that is going to be more self-compassionate. So my favorite go-tos are I'm human. I tried the best I can. I'm learning from life or I'm trying to make healthy decisions, healthy choices. 
but it is going to have to be a dedication to practicing self-compassion because it can be really easy to get down on yourself or if somebody else is cruel to you to allow that to potentially cause a really internal view, negative view of yourself. And I don't want that to be the case. So make sure that you have a really intact and foundational skill set of practicing immense self-compassion and recognizing you're human. You're human. You're not going to be perfect. Last but not least, when it comes to holding on to hope and instilling a sense of hope in yourself, One of the best ways to do this, and this is actually a great strategy for if you are experiencing depression or anxiety, is to try to get out of your own head by giving back to other people. So being kind to others. It never ceases to amaze me how even if you randomly meet someone and you say, oh, you look pretty, or I love your top, how you can just see their face light up. And it's almost like that positive energy comes back on you and you get a little dose of that. It makes you feel good to be nice to other people. And this can come in so many shapes or forms, whether you volunteer at your child's school or you decide to help out with a work-related philanthropy project or you just take it upon your own self to maybe volunteer for an hour in the community, or just if you just give somebody else a compliment or take a little bit of extra space to hold that door open for them. Performing kind actions for other people can absolutely improve outlook on life and boost your mood. And it's really interesting because When you are kind to someone else, it's really hard for them to turn around and be unkind to the person who's being kind to you. And so it almost becomes this two-way street of kindness. And I'm not saying to necessarily always expect for somebody to receive your kindness or that they're automatically going to be kind back to you. But more often than not, I don't know about you, but when you give a compliment or take space to hold a door open for someone... Most of the time, people are very open to receiving that and will often say thank you or you'll see their face light up. And it's just one of those concepts that helping others can cause you to feel less stressed, increase your own sense of happiness, and doing selfless acts on a consistent basis can even help you feel more connected to people. Once again, it kind of gets you outside of your own head and can increase that sense of connection with others. So I hope that these suggestions for maintaining hope and instilling a sense of hope in you are helpful, and I want to take it to another level and instill some more hope, some inspiration in you. So I'm going to go ahead and kick us off by sharing a particular personal story called My Road to Recovery and Self-Love by Wyatt Raymond, and this is also found on NAMI's website. I chose this particular story because I found it to be quite relatable, especially in the time period that we are living in. And Wyatt states that I've always felt like an outsider. Growing up, I just felt different from my peers. I didn't understand things they understood, and we rarely shared interest. As a result, I experienced a large amount of social isolation. 
It seemed like I was going through life without any legitimate friends or any sense of belonging to a group. Reflecting on my social situation made me feel like I wasn't worth it, that my feelings were invalid, my dreams were impossible, and I was destined to be alone for a long time. When the COVID-19 pandemic hit in 2020, these feelings of loneliness intensified and my social isolation was magnified under quarantine policies. How relatable is that? Side note. He goes on to say, this proved to be very unhealthy. My mental health deteriorated and my emotional state was worse than ever. It was then that I realized I needed to start healing and working on myself. My healing began with work on accepting myself for who I am. I started by being more open with the few distant friends I had, explaining my real feelings and struggles to them. When I told them, they became much more supportive and understanding of my view of the world. Their support ended up being a huge part of my healing process. I also began to take part in my interests and hobbies more, particularly musical theater, drawing, and writing. I even began to write out story ideas over time. I met a number of new people through my writing, thanks to social media allowing us to talk, and I was able to share my work with them. These new people became new friends, most of which I've been able to maintain contact with for the past two years. Above all, I've been trying to maintain a more positive self-image As I've come to learn, loving myself is the key to establishing secure connections in my life because at the end of the day, people do like me. I have friends that want to spend time with me. Tapping into these positives and bolstering my self-confidence is a responsibility that I must maintain. Ultimately, loving myself has gotten a little easier. It's been a long road, and there are still a lot of miles left to travel, but someday, if I keep going, I'll get there. I just need to keep going because every day it feels a little closer. What a beautiful story that is so, as I've shared, relatable and realistic. How many times in life, and maybe this has been you, maybe it's been somebody sharing this with you, but Either way, there's been statements of either you feeling like an outsider or someone else coming to you telling you they don't feel like they fit in. And I feel like this is such an easy an easy negative concept that sometimes becomes internalized. And if you really trace and look for concrete evidence and facts to back it up, there may not be any. And this is why as Wyatt shared he started to make that effort to break out of that thinking and start reaching out to distant friends in his life. And one other thing I've always noticed is that most of the time, people want to connect with other people. We all have that innate sense for belonging. We all, in some ways, although it falls on a spectrum, the level of intensity, we all have a need for a community. This can be a community of three people. It can be a community of 25 people, or maybe it's a huge community of 100 people. But 
in some ways, we all need other people to reach out to and connect with. And so if you're ever in a time where you think, gosh, you know, is that weird if I reach out to this person? Start slow. Sometimes it's just a, hey, it's been a long time since we've spoken. How's it going? How are you? And that can be the way to get a dialogue going and also decrease your own feelings of isolation. So I loved the piece about when COVID-19 pandemic hit, that it really turned Wyatt's world upside down. I think that most of us can relate to that. And so one other side note, if you are a stay-at-home parent, if you work from home, you don't get to really get outside of your home very much, it becomes even more vitally important to combat isolation through reaching out to others for connection and talk about leveraging social media. The good thing about social media is there are so many different groups and individuals who you can connect with and speak to. I know I'm a part of several different therapist groups. I may not be super active in them and posting, but it's nice to just read, you know, different things that other people are writing and read articles that they're sharing. And it's just a nice way to kind of stay connected. And if somebody says something that really strikes your interest, you can always send them a private message and so forth and so on. So there's a group for everything. But I really love that inspiring story of healing and learning to love self and recognizing that the process doesn't happen overnight, but that it is one that can absolutely be worked upon. So the next inspiring story that I want to share with you was by a woman named Carrie Moody, and it's called Fighting for My Daughter's Recovery by Demanding a Change in the System. To me, I thought that this one was very important especially if you are a loved one of a family member who is struggling with addiction or mental health issues, it can be very difficult to be on the outside looking in at the person who you love and seeing them maybe have a very hard time or go down a destructive path. So even though this story comes from the the, the stance of a mother to a daughter, I still think it can be generalized to really being a loving family or friend of someone who may be struggling. So let's get into it. Carrie says, the heartache that comes with watching your child suffer is unspeakable. As I reflect on my daughter's mental health journey and the suffocating pressures teens face today, I want to share our story and fight for change in our mental health care system. My daughter struggled so hard to see the value of her life. And I'm going to just issue a very quick, sensitive content warning here. I am going to be discussing themes of suicide. And so if you are not in a place to hear this particular story, please fast forward about maybe five to 10 minutes and then join in the next story. But I am going to be sharing these themes. So this is your quick warning. So Carrie said, my daughter struggled so hard to see the value of her life. She attempted suicide on multiple occasions, tormented by her own mind and beliefs that she was not meant to be here. I had to fight hard to get her the help she needed, often reaching dead ends and feeling like there was no hope. 
but I wasn't about to give up on her. Through months of what felt like complete isolation, helplessness, and desperation, I kept fighting for her. I continued to advocate for her in the services she needed. Ultimately, I was able to get her treatment. After finding an inpatient facility for my daughter, there were many months of feeling completely alone and unsupported. Pleading with God to save her, I felt a wave of guilt for sending my child so far away from her family, but I had to remind myself that this could very well save her life, and it did. She came out of treatment with wonderful new coping skills and a new outlook on life. She has new sense of motivation and she wants to give back to others however she can. This change in her can only be described as a miracle. I still can't believe it after nine months of having her back home. I feel very fortunate that I was able to find quality services thanks to my insurance, but during our journey, I met so many parents who were trapped in a system that cared more about money than actually saving lives. I watched parents beg and plead with these facilities and insurance companies to keep their children longer than the standard 21-day or 30-day stays. Carrie is really speaking to a major issue that presents itself in the fight that often can happen between the facility and insurance um, providers where the insurance companies don't necessarily want to pay for a longer amount of treatment. And having these rigid rules where they only compensate for seven days of treatment versus, you know, maybe someone staying in the hospital for 30 plus days and that being more effective, it becomes really, really difficult for an individual to get the care that they need. And so I just want to point that out, especially if you listening have ever tried to get someone into a facility and run into the issue of having health insurance say that, oh, we're only going to cover three days and then your child or your family member must come home and you know that's just not long enough time. Okay, so that was my side note. So Carrie goes on to say, as many parents will tell you, that amount of time often doesn't even scratch the surface for some children seeking help at these expensive facilities. Very correct. Seeing these families feel helpless was heartbreaking. This is something I want to fight for. Something needs to change. There are accessible programs and resources out there, but often people just don't know how to find them. I had to scramble and reach out to so many different avenues for help. Eventually, I found NAMI's Family Connections Program and joined a 12-week family support group. This group not only validated the intense emotions I had around my daughter's struggles, but it became a safe place for me to feel supported and understood. I don't know if I would have survived the last year without this group. Moving forward, I want to fight for the families that are so desperate to help their children. Everyone deserves a fair chance. Each one of us deserves to know others are there to support and care and help us. The pain of watching my child suffer over the last two years has given me purpose and the will to keep advocating for families however I can. To me, this is such a powerful story of the reality that many families and loved ones go through. You listening may relate to this where 
you have a family member, like I've shared, with a substance abuse issue or a mental health issue, and it's hard to find care, or you are that family member's primary caretaker, and you're exhausted, you feel so tired, I want to encourage you to visit the NAMI or NAMI website, National Alliance on Mental Illness. Again, this is going to be linked in the show notes, because as a caregiver, it can be really easy to lose a sense of hope for the future. And because obviously this podcast, I want to instill some hope as we round out this season. I always want you to know that reaching out for that support and being around other people who can relate to what you're going through can really be a powerful source of not only support, but recreating that sense of hope. And and, and even trading ideas, receiving information that you didn't know was available. I think that is also a huge barrier is not always knowing where exactly to go in times of trouble or stress. So the NAMI website is a great start. And I hope that you enjoyed that particular story because, again, I thought it was so relatable. Last but not least, I want to share a beautiful story by Maria Jacobs, and it is called Weathering the Seasons and Cycles of a Mental Health Condition. I love the title because when you have a mental health diagnosis, that is what it can feel like. Cyclical, it can feel like there are seasons of maybe better moods and and more positive experiences of mental health, but then there can also be seasons of darkness, seasons of pain and just feeling depressed or very anxious. So Maria shares that I have lived with bipolar disorder my entire adult life. My mental health journey includes a dual diagnosis and symptoms of schizoaffective disorder, such as persecutory delusions, paranoia, and catastrophic thinking that resulted in inpatient treatment and a loss of faith in God, whom I was raised to believe in since birth. But many of those struggles are now in my past. Today, I am in remission. All the major areas of my life are stable and even thriving. My work, my relationships, my craft, and most importantly, my faith. These pillars of my identity suffered tremendously as I tried desperately to navigate my life amid the grueling effects that mental illness had on me over the years. This is such a valuable point to discuss really quickly is that when you are in a time of transition or you're in a period of your life that feels really overwhelming and the hope is gone, then it's easy to lose sight of who you are. It's easy to lose sight of your identity and what makes you, you. And so I think this is a beautiful point that Maria made that for her, it was her faith, it was relationships, the work that she did. And so this is why I always encourage, and it's probably a broken record technique at this point if you are an avid listener of Living Freely, but I encourage you to evaluate periodically what makes you you. What is important to you? Because when stress enters the picture of life, it can be really easy to lose sight of who you are, 
in what you want out of life. So I'll keep going. Um, Maria goes on to say, as anyone who knows the complicated truths of bipolar disorder will tell you, the reality is that even in remission, the roads can still be bumpy and pharmaceutical regimens may need to be adjusted regularly. Ultimately, I found that my well-being relies on embracing the seasons and cycles of my mental health journey. In 2020, an indisputably difficult year for everyone, I experienced some complex life changes, including a divorce, caring for a mother with dementia, working five jobs to stay afloat, moving, and simply trying to survive a pandemic. All as these challenges developed and worsened, I began crying myself to sleep at night with ideation and catastrophic thinking reliving past trauma and isolation that accompanied the pandemic. On paper, I had never been happier or more productive, and nothing appeared to be broken. But behind the scenes, everything was different. It was dark, it was bipolar, and it required my first medication adjustment in years. These transitions can be brutal, and I feared what was ahead. I was still working and attending to my many responsibilities, praying that this adjustment would not cause significant disruption in my life. My fears ultimately were unfounded. The medication change only improved my circumstances. Have you ever looked out a dirty window through which you could hardly see, then wiped it clean and enjoyed the view? That's the best way I can describe what this new regimen did for me. It is the reason I tell anyone with bipolar disorder just how important it is to go through these adjustments and talk to their doctor when needed, when having difficulties that are obstructing their quality of life. I want to quickly jump into one of my quick side notes, and that is to encourage you to advocate for yourself always. If you are currently taking medication for mental health issues, you no longer feel that it is working for you. It is always okay to speak to your prescribing doctor about this and ask questions about different options. If you are in therapy and you don't necessarily feel like it's a powerful experience anymore. It's just not working. It feels stale or you're just not really sure if you like your provider. Sometimes switching it up can be the answer to what you needed. This is the same with if you're doing something in your life and you're scared to try something new or you're scared to step out on your own or do something differently or start exercising or set that healthy boundary. As Maria shared, it's almost the experience of looking out a dirty window, which you can hardly see through, and then wiping it clean, and then being able to enjoy the view. I think that's such a beautiful analogy and just speaks to the power of switching things up in our lives. It's really easy to almost feel like you're stuck in a cycle or stuck in a rut, and I don't ever want anybody to feel like you're always stuck in that same position, in that same job even, that same relationship or the same coping strategies that you always use that just don't feel like they're working anymore, switch it up. Reach out to a different provider. Go to a different doctor. Make life work for you. Okay. So Maria goes on to say, I hope to pass along what I have learned. Seasons and cycles are real for anyone living with bipolar disorder. I would also add for anyone in general. She goes on to say, like the light changes in the spring and in the winter, 
so do our emotions, moods, and thoughts. Life changes will come along and they cannot be stopped. They are real. But then again, so is remission. I weathered my most recent challenges in medication adjustment without unraveling. My work, relationships, and faith remained intact, and my worst fears never materialized. Was it easy? No, but it didn't derail my hard-won successful life. Challenges, changes, and setbacks are frustrating, even triggering, but they do not rule out happiness, success, and recovery. I am back to the joyful, normal life I was enjoying before the season and cycle began. My mantra is this, seasons and cycles are real, but they do not have to be, quote, real bad, end quote. What a beautiful story. What a powerful, inspiring, once again, relatable situation that Maria has described here. I always make the statement that life is very interesting and that you'll be going along, you feel like you just found your footing, everything seems to be going pretty well, you kind of have found that secret sauce of the balance between work and life or family and cultivating your own needs and meeting your own needs and then something happens and it just throws you off. It throws the whole equilibrium off balance. This to me speaks to what Maria was sharing about the seasons and cycles. It's the ebb and flow, the peaks and the valleys. And I don't want you to ever allow discouragement to take over. One of the things that Maria shared was like the light changes in the spring and in the winter, so do our emotions, moods, and thoughts. One of my favorite analogies is to share that emotions can kind of be like the train going along at full force, and you can choose to get on that train and let it take you. The train is kind of the emotions. Let those emotions, let that train take you wherever it will be, or you can learn the skills to take a step back. Let me recognize that emotions will come and go. Moods are going to come and go, and also my thoughts will come and go, and then you just let that train keep on going, and you choose to just hop on off. And if that is something that you're interested in learning more about, or you just want to learn to better regulate your emotions or not let them completely overtake you, then maybe this is the time to get plugged into therapy, to start meeting with someone. You know that my favorite resources are psychologytoday.com, Open Path Collective, which is a website that offers different licensed providers who provide therapy at lower cost to suit a range of different incomes. There's goodtherapy.org. You can always contact your health insurance to find someone to meet with that's in your plan and and covered so you have a low copay or a lower cost. But I really hope that you've enjoyed Not only this episode today, but just this fourth season of Living Freely. I am always grateful for you. I'm so glad that you have joined me. I'm so grateful to be the host again for this wonderful resource that uh, that Norfolk Public Library has dedicated themselves to offering to the public. And so make sure you visit Norfolk Public Library. Say thank you to them. Go check out a book, even if you are trying to cultivate reading more fiction books or engaging in learning a new hobby. 
the library is always a great way to do it. Not to mention, it can also be a great resource to get hooked up with your community, no matter what city you live in. So thank you so much for being here. Again, I'm going to link the website to NAMI in the show notes. As always, take such good care of yourself throughout the rest of the summer and beyond. Make sure you are living well and being well. Be so kind to yourself and take good care. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Living Freely Podcast today. As always, the information in this episode is not intended to diagnose or treat. It is highly recommended to find a provider in your area or by going to www.psychologytoday.com to find a therapist in your area. If you have enjoyed this episode, please don't hesitate to rate and review our podcast, especially on Apple Podcasts, so that we are able to be seen by more people wanting to get information on mental health and wellness. Thanks so much again for tuning in. We'll look forward to seeing you next week for an all new episode. Be well. Mm -hmm.